0: Hi, everybody. I'm George, and this is The Best Little Horror House in Philly, the show where we talk about the best horror movie ever made, according to our guest, at least. And today's guest is here to talk about a really interesting one. Min Tech Kim is here. How you doing, Min? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing really good. So my understanding is that you're relatively new to horror, or that it's not something that you typically dive into that deep? Yeah, I think compared to... Uh, kind of your average
1: person I might be a horror fan but you know compared to more super fans like yourself
0: I think I'm <laughs> a relative newbie well I think that that's it's I think it's really important to have all levels of exposure to horror on this show because people who have a little more difficulty finding ones that they're they're into not only help to make horror more interesting and diverse in terms of forcing it to appeal to more people but that someone who's maybe not necessarily the biggest horror fan can be a little more discerning in terms of being like, well, you, you, you're you into all horror. And so maybe you uh, <laughs> if you like everything, then you don't really like anything. And so being able to have someone come on and be like, as someone who likes horror in general, but maybe not every single movie, here's why I think that this is uh, the best one. So I'm really excited to have you on here to talk about this movie. Is, uh, is there a subgenre that you like dip your feet into a little more than others? Early on, I was exposed to a
1: lot of horror that was uh, in, in the more kind of like extreme kind of like violent sort of genre. Um, mm. And so I think that kind of like peaked with watching. I don't know if you've seen martyrs that the French film, uh, French horror from a while ago. Yes, but. it's a
0: the French extremism is a little. It's a little much for me. I have yeah, to. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. That that put me off horror for a year or two. Really, like really found that one yeah. um <laughs> But yeah, I, I've gotten really uh, you know back into it now. That there's all these kind of like artsy filmmakers who are really you know I- embracing kind of what I think is really special about horror, and I think. That this film in particular is a really good example of like the kind of the kind of horror you can do where you're you're kind of it works on multiple levels i think um i mean it's such a fun movie to watch without thinking too hard about it but i think on rewatch rewatch it really rewards kind of thinking through what the
0: filmmakers are trying to get at oh absolutely and first of all i just want to say that it's it's really exciting to hear how many people feel like they've been brought back into the genre by this new wave of horror I also love this new wave, and so it's it's very rewarding to hear people be like, yeah, I think it's great too, and it is, and the fact that it is appealing to a wide range of people is very exciting about what it might mean for horror moving forward, but I definitely agree, so the, I'll, I'll stop beating around the bush here. The movie that we're talking about today is E.L. Katz's feature debut, Cheap Thrills, from 2013. And I mean, like you said, this movie, it does have something to say. And I, I think that I, I wouldn't call it uh, ahead of its time in that like, oh, there were no movies before 2013 that <laughs> talked about capitalism and, and the dehumanization of poor people. But I do think that in terms of the where our cultural conversation was at the time, that this movie was ahead of its time. Yeah, I think that
1: what what struck me when I watched it was that uh, I'd seen horror movies that had talked about this kind of uh, material kind of, you know, more, more abstractly, but this one felt like it was really taking a shot at it uh, head on, it doesn't really waste any time setting it up, um, it makes it very clear kind of what what's gonna happen very, very early on. Um, and that directness about, um, you know, essentially talking about, I, I don't know what to say, like scrapping, poor people scrapping against each other for the amusement of rich people i think is you know it, it's just so direct from the first couple of scenes
0: absolutely so this movie was written by uh, trent Hagen and david Churcherio, and neither them nor the director have done a ton of big name stuff since this although cats did do a netflix movie called small crimes And uh, Hagan helped write The Evil Within, which is a game I did enjoy. It has some really good writing in it, and it is great horror. But my hunch is that the workload that they've received since has a little something to do with this movie, which did unfortunately flop pretty hard. (laughs) I did not know that. Yeah, so it grossed just under $60,000 on a—it was already only a $200,000 budget, (laughs) and it didn't even make that. Um, Yikes and it's also been completely eclipsed by the Sia song cheap thrills on google <laughs> with uh, just one result on the first two pages for uh, for cheap thrills but it's interesting to counterpoint that and kind of the the audience reaction which is a little lower uh, it's a, it's a 70 But you compare that with the critical reaction and the way that people who are maybe a little more exposed to film uh, in terms of the people on Letterboxd, the aggregates go way up with an 88 for critic score and a 3.4 out of 5 uh, as the Letterboxd aggregate. So I think that that's a really interesting kind of reaction to the movie. And I think that the fact that it was a little ahead of its time probably has a, a pretty significant weight to bear in terms of why this movie did flop you know it's kind of that unappreciated artist sort of situation
1: Yeah, and without spoiling, I'm kind of, I mean, we will spoil the movie, but, you know, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but there are a lot of scenes in this that are squeamish in different ways that, Mm -hmm. you know, I can see why somebody might not want to market it given that people are kind of eating their own fingers and uh, (laughs) killing innocent animals and all sorts of stuff happening that, you know, you might not want to, you might not believe that it can be a kind of a mainstream hit.
0: Yeah, I think that the odds were really kind of stacked against it. In, in terms of cultural context, it wasn't a complete dearth of quality. But in my humble opinion, things were in a down moment for horror. Uh, you know, you had big things like the Green Inferno, um, which is bad, in my opinion. A bunch <laughs> of reboots like Carrie, um, Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters, uh, Warm Bodies, which was the death knell for the zombie craze started by 28 Days Later. Mm. So really, uh, just in terms of where horror was, it doesn't seem like maybe the most inviting scenario to put something like this into just because it doesn't feel like the kind of things that people are going out to the movies for kind of a a a bad time for original horror i think Click pre all that stuff where people were kind of taking chances on these uh low
1: budget horror films
0: yeah and even if you look at what it was up against in terms of movies that had something to say in quotes uh like the purge you know you get this poorly communicated message in the purge about (laughs) how uh deep down rich people are actually as bad and animalistic as poor people and it's like well (laughs) Uh, You're framing it in the wrong way, whereas this movie kind of uh, positions it as poor people are manipulated by the oligarchical class through financial hostage taking, which is, I think, a much more accurate representation of the situation.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think one of the things I like about it is that. Yes, they're being kind of manipulated by the rich people, but there's also that really visceral element of the Mm -hmm. slightly better, you know, he considers himself, like, Craig considers himself slightly culturally kind of upper class to to Vince, and then kind of lords it over him, kind of talks talks down to him about how he's going to just spend it all on drugs and, you know, whatever drugs and and prostitutes, whatever he says, Yeah, yeah. yeah, and just, like, really, like, repeats back to him the kinds of things that rich people have told him about poor people kind of down the chain and i think mm-hmm. that that's like a you know that's that's one of the things i you know i thought was really interesting about parasite as well the this kind of like the yes there are two poor you know protagonists or like two groups of poor, poor protagonists in parasite but one considers themselves like above or superior to the other and that dynamic of kind of tearing each other down um, right instead of the kind of quiet there's that brief moment of cooperation in this movie that offers a tiny bit of hope before it's crushed. But yeah, I, I find that element really interesting, the pitting pitting them against each other.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you really hit the nail on the head in terms of, you know, Craig he looks up at this insurmountable gap and he sees someone in vince that he can kick a little bit and give himself the illusion of a little more power and being better than someone and and making himself feel better. So I think that's a really interesting um, point to bring up. Now, I also think that the movie, it gives itself this kind of seemingly uh, self-derisive name in cheap thrills, but... Mm. I don't think that that did it any favors, plus the stars of this movie are actors who work primarily in TV, like Pat Healy and Sarah Paxton, or mm. people who are typically side characters, or a little past their prime, maybe, like Ethan Embry and David Koechner, and it's like, don't get me wrong, I love these actors, I think that they're all extremely talented, and I genuinely love David Koechner, but just in terms of like, hey, that's that's the facts, Jack, <laughs> you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's hard to headline with David Koechner. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but... It is all it is all done very well. It's it's so interesting the way that I think that all of these characters uh, are elevated by the performances that are brought to them by people who are maybe B list in terms of star power, and you know the writers and directors are all relatively new to the scene, and they had this really minuscule budget and. It doesn't really feel like it. No, it you know? really doesn't.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that, yes, there's only like three locations and like, <laughs> um, and four actors. It's basically a play. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's pretty amazing. But yeah, it's, it just looks really slick. Um, I love how dark it is all the time. Even when they're inside, it looks kind of dingy and dark inside the rich guy's house. Yeah. I just, I think it looks beautiful a lot of the time, which is kind of surprising. I, I, when I looked at the budget, I couldn't believe how, how low it was.
0: Yeah. So Pat Healy plays Craig, who's an auto mechanic in Dire Straits. And he's in a little apartment building with his wife and child. And I mean, it's obvious very quickly that they are in a, in a bad situation. Like he pulls out what's clearly supposed to be like an emergency 20 <laughs> based on how crumpled up it is. And he gives it to his wife and he walks outside to find an eviction notice. Yeah. Bad news off the start. Very relatable, especially right now. We are in the middle of a pandemic right now, <laughs> uh, so certainly there's a lot of stress in terms of financials, housing, you know, that sort of thing. So I-, I think that this is a very timely movie, despite the fact that it came out in 2013. And I think it's also it- it's obvious in a really positive way that. Craig aspired to being more than a mechanic just based on his environment. Um, Mm. The one thing that's not all dingy and with stuff all over it is this framed article written by him for a newspaper that's on the wall. But I mean, this guy, he just seems beat down. His house is a mess. He's got this dead look on his face while he's working. Yeah, I think it feels very relatable in terms of like, you take a job to make ends meet getting out of college and then doing that job makes you too tired to look for something else and the next thing you know it's a decade later (laughs) (laughs)
1: it's such an iconic blue collar job as well the you know Mm. being a mechanic and like landing somewhere that's actually like a lot more secure well was secure until he was downsized um (laughs) compared to where vince is is like really interesting that he feels like beat down and morose about his station in life and yet the guy that he ends up meeting is clearly in a much worse position
0: Right, and as you as you uh, alluded to, he can't even rely on this job, which is ostensibly pretty consistent, because uh, he gets called in to say that they're downsizing and that Craig is on the chopping block, and so he can't even rely on this job that wasn't even making ends meet. So, uh, really, pretty grand sequence, yeah. But they're really great at using this production design and the setting to communicate with the audience in a visual way, which I think also is very play-like. It's clearly a depressed area, and there's this like adult movie shop and 99 cent store right next to him, Both things typically found, quote unquote, across the tracks, as it were, mm-hmm. and- So I I think that you kind of get this simpatico nature between Craig and his environment, and he can't face the truth of this firing, and so he heads to a nearby bar where he meets an old friend from high school, Vince, who is played by Ethan Embry, and he hasn't seen him in five years, which, I mean, that's... They're definitely not five years out of high school, so... <laughs> uh
1: The baby is also, they say, the baby's 15 months. The baby's clearly not 15 months old. they just just <laughs> and do with what they have.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's yeah. funny, too, that, like, it... On some level, that almost feels like he was keeping in touch with people until he wasn't a writer anymore. Mm. And, like... Then he just, you know, severed ties and went dark, and uh, and so now I think this is also evident in the fact that he lies to Vince and says that he's still writing, which it's like this really pretty sad moment for Craig, where. Yeah not only has he fallen from his aspirations, he's now unemployed from even that. And so, you know, trying to hold on to his last little shred of pride, he lies to his high school friend. And really, you're just like, man, this sucks for this guy. (laughs) Yeah, it's such a shitty situation.
1: Uh, I think there, I'm trying to think of like, I'm not even sure if this is right, but I think in Dublin, is, there's a story where a guy gets downsized and goes straight to the pub. And it's just like never a good sign when your story starts with losing your job and then drinking your sorrows away. Nothing. Yeah, good it's like, you
0: need me. that money, dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so he realizes that Vince is still in uh, collections, we'll say. And he tries to be coy about finding out how deep the shit he's in goes. Before, mm. before finally admitting that he's in trouble and needs uh, forty five hundred dollars, nothing to sneeze at, to be certain. And it, and it's funny because Vince, at the very beginning of this movie, he offers to loan him a couple hundred bucks. I know, early sign of good guy Vince. Yeah. <laughs> He says forty five hundred dollars is a little rich for his blood. Extremely, understandably, I certainly could not just loan somebody forty five hundred dollars. <laughs> I don't think I could loan them a couple hundred dollars. So, <laughs> not someone you haven't talked to for five years. Yeah, and I mean this scene is really great at kind of just setting up their relationship. But there's the co- like you get your first instance of the comedy in this movie, which is. Just pitch black and absolutely delightful. It's so funny. Yeah. Vince's response to Craig asking about how much trouble he's in is that he once broke a guy's arm over $80 while oh. the guy's daughter watched. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, what yeah, a big, big trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Craig goes to the bathroom where he in- encounters the back of David Koechner snorting Coke through a 50 which he promptly drops in the toilet. And this is some more great visual storytelling because instead of showing us every single step of Craig being like, oh, should I get this 50? Oh, I'm reaching in. Instead, we just see Craig leaving the bathroom, shaking one hand. (laughs) Great, great visual storytelling. They really don't
1: waste time in this movie. Like we're, we're, we're something like five minutes in or something. We're like 10 minutes into this movie and we've already got pretty much every character other than Violet set up.
0: Yeah, so... I think a thing that would be fun for us to do as we go through this movie is to talk about our reactions to all their actions. So the first question is, would you take this 50 out of the toilet?
1: I would definitely take the 50 out of the toilet. Um, in Australia, we have plastic money, so that makes the decision much easier. Uh, with your- <laughs> yeah, We have this cotton <laughs>
0: bullshit. Yeah, your <laughs> em-
1: primitive American money. Uh, it's a bit of a dicey proposition, but I think I'd still take it and dry it out somewhere.
0: Uh, yeah, I agree with that, especially since he didn't use the toilet. He was just snorting coke in there. So I agree. I'm going in for that 50. And Craig discovers that Vince has been pulled aside by Colin, who is David Koechner, and his wife, Violet, played by Sarah Paxton, who wants to buy them some drinks in exchange for some company, saying that it's Violet's birthday. And Sarah Paxton, it's she has a really interesting role in this movie because... It's true that she's not given a ton to do, but her performance in the background, I think, is really kind of integral to this movie. She just oozes disinterested Trophy Wife with her body language. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's a great physical performance. But later on, when we're watching kind of the reactions that they're having to the escalation of these bets that, that will happen, you know... It, it really, I think a lot of it has to rely on her reactions because she's starting from this base level. So I, I think that she does a lot with maybe a little less appreciation uh, than she deserves based on some of the reviews that I had looked at. So
1: Yeah, I think like it's underappreciated how much she is the primary instigator of this Uh, like Mm -hmm. really early on it does seem like uh colin or david keckner's character um is the one kind of pushing this forward but like i think towards the end of the film you really get the sense that they are really like co-conspirators and she is maybe the primary instigator of this
0: this whole scenario Definitely, and I think that it's also really interesting how the sort of um, class warfare that's inherent in their different situations comes across right away. Because Colin is being both friendly and generous, but he is throwing money around like crazy, and the idea that he has the money to do this— while Craig is dealing with his problems, creates this really interesting tension between the two characters immediately that I think Pat Healy does a really incredible job communicating. Yeah, it's
1: pretty aggressive how much he's uh, being obnoxious about how much money he has.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's bragging about his $10,000 tequila, he's tipping the waitress $100, and it's like, yes, that's great (laughs) that he's tipping her, but just like you you just compare the situations where it's like you, you understand why maybe this might rub Craig the wrong way. <laughs> but Colin does mention that they like to bet on random stuff. And as an example offers $50 to whoever can drink a shot. He pours first. And this is some more, I think great comedy in that Vince just pounds it back while Craig is just like, wait, what? <laughs> 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 um, but they are getting drunker and drunker as as they're doing this. Things begin to escalate, and they head to a strip club with the dangers of the bets as well as the payouts increasing. And so Vince makes good on a bet to slap the butt of one of the strippers in this no-touch strip club. And they immediately, like, run out, but a, one of the bouncers comes out to be like, hey, you can't do that, and, like, intimidate them. And so Colin offers Craig... to hit the bouncer first. And God, the disbelieving smile on the bouncer's face (laughs) is so funny, especially when Craig actually does it, which I mean, hey, respect to you, Craig. So here we go for $500. If you're being thrown out by a bouncer, are you going to hit this bouncer first? Oh, absolutely not. This is where, like, Craig should have been out. I'm
1: definitely out at this point. I'm not getting beat up for 500 bucks. Um, I don't have an eviction notice at the moment. Maybe that changed my view. But boy, yeah. Yeah. that's the turning point for him, really. He mm-hmm. he really takes it seriously from there on.
0: Right. And it, it's funny because, you know, $50, certainly nothing to scoff at, but the jump from 50 to 500 for him, it's significant. $500, feels much more like an amount of money that you can do something with as opposed to you know getting lunch for yourself and your wife (laughs) yeah Uh, so i i think that the fact that craig does this you're right it is kind of the turning point of this movie it's it's the tipping point for him of like well i'm invested in it now Craig wakes up with a busted nose. Yeah, he gets the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> yeah. Craig wakes up with a broken nose, and he realizes that he's at Colin and Violet's house, but he does have the $500 in hand. And Colin kind of, uh, he seems to be tipping his hand a little bit here, saying that Craig will never forget this night, and even if he never sees them, he'll remember them forever, which is, I feel like, a pretty threatening line. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, yeah, I don't know how comfortable I'd be feeling hearing that waking up at some dude's house.
0: <laughs> and, you know, these bets that they're doing, they start out kind of varying between, oh, it's, it's a fun lark and genuinely dangerous. Like, the next mm-hmm. one is just... Vince peeing on Craig's shoes for $300 funny stuff
1: (laughs) wait wait wait! before we pee on Craig um there's that creepy story that Violet tells about how much she enjoyed hearing a childhood friend get hit by an SUV what was that I mean like that is just like they didn't want to do a bet for a little while so they're like what is a creepy story Violet can tell to Craig that 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 was very very creepy
0: yeah, it was very creepy. She she talks about how when she was growing up, she had – she used to watch the kids who would skateboard, and there was one boy who always seemed to try a little harder than the others. And, it you know, it's obvious that this is supposed to be Craig in this situation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, she she says that, like, she didn't see it, but she just heard the sound of, like, branches snapping and, like, <laughs> oh, my lord, it's really <laughs> – grotesque and i think it does give you kind of an insight into the derangement of this character that isn't necessarily evident uh on the surface
1: yeah and so much of her um what makes her scary is that she always seems to pair it with these like quite caring action actions like she's like outwardly or like kind of like physically doing stuff that's quite like you know caring and nice and like kind of things that make you think that she's not a horrible person but her words and her actual like underlying menacing um tone is very 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 unsettling definitely
0: and uh before we go past it for 300 bucks are you peeing on your buddy's shoes oh, i mean
1: oh, i like <laughs> not on vince i mean like <laughs> oh, okay maybe may, maybe that this is this is a tough Would you rather scenario? I feel like I feel Um, like you're right because he's really like like I would pee on Craig. Maybe yeah, okay. Maybe I'd pee on Craig because I don't think he would do me physical harm at this point. But Mm -hmm. peeing on Vince would be a totally different story.
0: Yeah, I I think it does depend on uh, on who the PE or the -er (laughs) PR and the PE is. (laughs) You know, uh, um, I think boy, three hundred dollars is a lot of money. I I think that I would take the risk and that I would I could convince them. (laughs) that it was you're just so a joke
1: vulnerable like you're,
0: I, it's true man. it's true but at this point they don't know he's got a knife which spoiler alert Vince <laughs> has got a knife yeah. <laughs> but yeah I, I think that I would take the risk for $300 for either of them so yeah there you go um Craig is pissed to put it mildly and um he goes yeah. to clean up in the bathroom and Vince goes with him saying that while Colin was getting Craig some painkillers. He saw a ton of money in Colin's safe and decides that they should rob him because it's a drop in the bucket for Colin and Violet, but it's a whole new life for the two of these guys. And Craig, he is reluctant, but he does finally agree to be a part of it. And I mean, this kind of desperation, you know, I think it's, we've seen where he's at already. The fact that he's willing to take abuse in terms of physical and, and verbal, you know, heckling and shit. And so- he's like, uh, you know, I'm already, <laughs> I'm already in on this, I guess. Like I I have this eviction notice, I have to do it. And so he does agree. And it's really, um, you know, every time you think that Craig's desperation is at a, is at a, a, a finishing point, he really like, he digs down deep and he's like, I have to do this for my family, which I think is a really interesting kind of justification in that I kind of get the sense that because of this unfulfillment in Mm. his life that there's a piece of him that is enjoying the living dangerously part of this
1: yeah absolutely i think this i think this moment's really interesting as well because in the moment um, it feels like Vince is a bad guy because he's doing theft, which is bad. while like Craig is a good guy because Craig has reservations about stealing from the bad guy. But then, in retrospect, after, uh, you know once you've kind of finished watching the movie, this is the this is the moment of kind of great working class solidarity. So it it, it really <laughs> does put the whole thing back into perspective. You know, when he talks about the fact that this is just a drop in in the bucket for for Colin, it really changes the way that this act feels, like how moral the act is of holding a knife to this guy's throat.
0: Definitely. And he goes out there, he does threaten Colin with the knife, and he gets him to reveal that the safe is unlocked. (laughs) Amazing (laughs) detail. It's, it's so funny when he's talking about how it used to be Violet's birthday and then or and then it was the anniversary and then her social and he could never remember it and so he just leaves it unlocked and when he says that's so stupid and he just goes, well, I guess I just trust my bros too much, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> I truly cackled with laughter.
1: Oh, and my favorite visual joke is in the sequence as well, as well, where before he gets disarmed, he's looking at a photo of Colin winning karate championships. That yeah. is such a dumb visual joke.
0: <laughs> Perfect way, um, way to communicate it. it.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then he just does a bunch of like, I guess, karate moves, but.
0: Yeah. It, I mean, yeah. Craig went to go get the money and, but Colin and Violet disarm them no problem. <laughs> Yeah, it's, Violet has
1: a gun all of a sudden.
0: Yeah, and yeah. it's funny the way that, like, the the way that they reveal this photo is also, like, even just the, the sequence is fun, where uh, he's like, oh, give us your car keys, too. And he's like, oh, they're right on that shelf over there. And the camera, like, pans over, and it's the car <laughs> keys just right in front of a picture of Colin. Which, so good. Boy, really great and yeah violet just super cash pulls out a gun Mm -hmm. and they're like oh i can't believe you didn't like check her out and there's this you know dynamic between vince and colin quarreling about who's to fault for this going wrong and he's like oh you didn't check her purse and he's like well you told me to just hold her so you know they're beset at each other because this went poorly yeah but colin and violet agree to just let bygones be bygones is their exact phrasing yeah sarah paxton in that scene more of that sarah paxton appreciates
1: she is so limp while mm-hmm. craig is trying to hold her it is so funny to watch her just play dead in, <laughs> yeah. in his arms and then just like casually hold them all uh, all hostage with a gun that made me laugh just there are like three or four funny things happening simultaneously in that sequence i love it
0: yeah it's it's really great stuff and colin he says that you know this is like fear factor uh, and that two hundred fifty thousand dollars, which is the amount of money that was in the safe is in fact the prize pool for the night and so <laughs> comparison. yeah and you know the two guys are like oh well i guess we just keep humiliating ourselves for this <laughs> so yeah. we can get it piecemeal and they agree to continue doing these bets and tensions flare between craig and vince when they compete with each other in a breath holding contest <laughs> you know, it's like I said, it kind of goes back and forth between just like these simple, simple little things like breath holding contests where it's like, like, sure, I'll I'll do that with my buddies. (laughs) Like, no problem. (laughs) Um, But Vince punches Craig in the stomach so that he can win himself. And I thought it was really funny. I was reading about this movie and in, in an AMA on Reddit, Pat Healy said that during the filming of this movie... That him and Ethan Embry really didn't get along.
1: <laughs> oh so, wow!
0: And so, like watching him, like be gleefully punching him in the stomach, I'm like, <laughs> okay, I gotta, I see this tension between them. <laughs> oh but that goodness. real life kind of uh, disdain, I think, definitely helps with the performances. Absolutely. And also, I mean, they said that uh, they made amends and now they respect each other. So all's well that ends well. Mm. The next bet, there's like a funny like two minute scene. (laughs) Of them this,
1: this is just like i don't i don't even know where this comes from they were just well they were just trying to
0: figure out stuff that they could do and they just like well yeah, i guess they could I take a so. shit somewhere yeah yeah i think that they were <laughs> and there it's like just two minutes of them just squatting oh. in the neighbor's house trying to take a shit because colin is angry that the neighbor's dog keeps pooping in their yard and so he's like all right so we're gonna get revenge you're gonna go poop in their house and Craig succeeds and then loudly wishes good luck to Vince. <laughs> he wakes up the family daughter. Just really funny stuff. But to kind of counteract this, we start to see Vince like going off the rails a little bit. He's been getting coked up this whole movie. He's getting more and more violent. You know, he punched Colin in, or he punched Craig in the last he offers to kill the neighbor's dog in this one you know to say oh this is real revenge and then he's throwing craig around yeah this uh, intensity getting ratcheted up as i think it reveals a little bit about the desperation that maybe we're not seeing from vince's side that like maybe if we had followed vince at the beginning of this movie instead of craig you know we might see that he is in a similar situation in terms of like things seem Desperate for him.
1: Yeah, and Vince is really, like, genuinely upset that craig is getting money like it's not it's not as it comes across as him being upset that craig is getting it rather than that he is missing out and i think that's really interesting that craig Mm. is very self-centered he's not really he doesn't really care whether vince gets money or not he just cares whether he does but vince gets increasingly upset that craig is doing well in this situation and he is not
0: instead of we should both be getting it he's like well if i'm not getting it he shouldn't get it either instead of i'm happy for my friend who is On the way out, he's being evicted. It really kind of I think puts a a striking lens on their interactions and kind of the whole setup of this movie. Mm. The next bet is for Craig to have sex with Violet.
1: (laughs) And like Wait, 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 wait. You need to tell me whether you would take a shit inside the neighbor's house for twelve hundred bucks. Wow, that's right. I think um, we'd both hold our breaths for 500 bucks. I mean, I think that's, that's yes. a very reasonable one to do.
0: Right. Uh, boy, taking a shit in the neighbor's house. I think that if I went there and I tested the door and it was open the way that it was in this movie, that I might do it.
1: But there's a small child in, I mean, why is the door unlocked? There's a small child living like one door down. It was a That's very what I'm bad saying, story. man.
0: If they're yeah. that irresponsible, then they deserve the rogue <laughs> pooper.
1: <laughs> oh, man. I mean, the. as they correctly point out, this is an extremely dangerous thing to be doing from a legal standpoint. So, yeah. I only get yeah. heartened by the child watching them poop, so...
0: Boy, yeah. no, I think this is this is too much for me. That's too much for you. I, look, yeah, I mean, I, it, it's it's very easy for me to say that I would. I, I. It also, I think that the fact that he's one drunk, two, you know, already this far down the rabbit hole, I think that those also uh, have a pretty big impact. I think if this was the first thing, I probably would be like, no, I'll see you guys later. Okay, <laughs> bye. I mean,
1: but- there's a also like just the practical aspect of like, can I actually take a shit? Once I'm that freaked out and anxious inside (laughs) some stranger's house. I mean, look, I'm not going to bet on myself being able to do that. I don't want to get in there and just sit around. So, yeah, no, I'm out.
0: (laughs) A fair point and uh, probably for the best. So yeah, so the next bet is for Craig to have sex with Violet, which Vince is like, "I'll do it for free." <laughs> Truly a bizarre scene. Like again, like
1: very hard to understand why this is even in there, other than like breaking down Craig's inhibitions. Like it makes Craig, me laugh exactly. Like <laughs> what 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 will Craig not do? And it's like he will cheat on his wife for his wife. I guess he is w- what. Yeah. we're at. Yeah, yeah.
0: exactly yeah he's like he's like oh i love my wife is like the last thing he says to her but it's like the amount that he's getting is the exact amount required to pay the rent and i mean god how do you say no to that and you know it's funny too because he doesn't see this but colin is sitting there cranking off on the couch oh man (laughs) like
1: and Vince has already signaled that he's homophobic, right? He, like the yeah. first thing he says early on is like, "Well, actually, no, it's not that early on. It's like just just after they uh, re rejoin the game."
0: Um, he's yeah, like, he's I'm, like, not "I'm not doing any gay stuff." Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So that homophobia, uh, Colin, clearly pretty uh, pretty loosey goosey in terms of having an open relationship and being willing to uh, masturbate in front of this group and. Uh, oh. The music Boy.
1: in the scene is great. So, it's <laughs> so well.
0: It's it, so tense. Yeah. It is. Uh, it's like the, you have this intense comedy going on with David Koechner putting in, it's funny that this caricature is like a pretty restrained role for David Koechner, but <laughs> it, like, it is. Yeah. And he, he does a really great job of making this guy feel like a real weirdo. Like he's, yeah. he would definitely be not your normal guy, but he still feels within the realm of possibility, you know?
1: yeah and the throwing money on him afterwards is so perfect it's so degrading yeah and yet like so on brand for the character it just oh it's so good
0: yeah yeah he goes to clean up and just throws money on him and craig is humiliated and he feels guilty and so he withdraws from the game and he goes home having earned enough money to delay homelessness for the time being and Violet is upset and she withdraws but vince is desperate to keep the game going. Again, I like I said. I think that there is something more going on. He is hitting the coke pretty hard, so maybe it's that he has a drug problem. Who knows? Like mm. uh, there, there's, but there seems to be more to Vince than just like, oh, uh, he's a little bit of a loose cannon. You know? Mm. Yeah, definitely. So Vince offers to do anything. And Colin, just kind of offhand, because he's clearly not into it anymore, suggests the amputation of his pinky finger for $25,000. And just as Vince is about to accept, Craig says, psych, and returns <laughs> to the game. <laughs>
1: this is i I actually think that like the the first part of the movie that first half is like about oh like how scary is it to be in a situation where things anything could happen and Mm -hmm. you're being forced into these uncomfortable situations that this second half is like the fear comes from like what might you do like what what might like the fear starts to be like oh my god would i do this like if i would if my back was up against the wall is this who i would become i think like it's super interesting that they have him kind of return of his free accord.
0: Right, he got the taste. He got the taste and they got him hooked.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and Violet is just like... Off playing some creepy music, just like
0: <laughs> like obviously Colin is
1: really desperate to re engage her in this in this whole thing. It's yeah, really interesting.
0: Yeah, and, and so Colin says that or excuse me, Craig says that his return is because the forty five hundred dollars that he's earned is only a temporary solution and he needs to think about next week, next month, next year. And so he offers to do the same dare for less. Each of them going back and forth until Craig settles for fifteen thousand dollars, a full ten thousand less. And boy, this is why you need a union, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, want
1: to we'll want to haggle on as well. Wow, cutting yeah. your pinky off. That's that's nasty. Mhm.
0: Yeah, they're uh you know, you need that collective bargaining and uh unfortunately, <laughs> they're uh, at each other's throats and um they lose out on $10,000 and Vince is the one who cuts Craig's pinky off and I for real thought he was going to lop the whole damn hand off or something. <laughs>
1: Yeah, does he? He he seems to know like offhand the cost of reattaching a finger. Is that like a thing in America that you guys just, just across <laughs> healthcare prices at all times, being like, if this happens to me, it's eight grand. If this happens to me, it's twenty grand.
0: Uh, no, I think the idea is that he was just like doing a high end ballpark. I genuinely have no idea how much it would cost to uh, reattach a finger, but it should be zero. So I would,
1: <laughs> I would not be doing this for twenty five grand. I mean, that's like. I do not have the stomach for that kind of pain, so... Yeah, see, that's Ooh. the
0: thing. If it all happened exactly as Colin wanted it, or as Craig wanted it to happen, those names really should have been more different. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if it all happened as Craig wanted to happen, where he gets to, like, snort the painkillers first, and, and uh, you know, he gets to just hold it there, and it's like, you kind of understand this logic where he's like, it is just a pinky. Oh, like, man. <laughs> <laughs> and it... If you could get it reattached, that's the thing. It's also late. Like, I don't know that he's gonna be able to get to a hospital quick enough that they're really gonna be able to put it on and it'll feel the same. So, look, I need I, to type it a certain words per minute. This, it's not, it's not <laughs> happening. I can't, can't lose the spinky. And yeah. like,
1: they, they're gonna cauterize the wound after. Like, oh, that's supposed yeah. to make you
0: feel better. Like, oh, oh my God. man. I mean, I guess you don't die of bleeding out, but also it's a whole nother level of pain for sure. I, I'm gonna say that I probably wouldn't do this either, even though I mean, even fifteen thousand dollars is more money than I've ever seen in my entire life. but do not I d I don't I don't think I could do it. Yeah, it's it's pretty Certainly not for fifteen. Maybe for twenty five we'll start talking again, but <laughs> Yeah. And certainly not after haggling. I mean that makes it feel so much mm-hmm. worse. Oh yeah, yeah. We're well, like,
1: oh, I had this amount. <laughs> it's it just gone. lost ten grand. Yeah,
0: yeah. And so I really went through like a damn roller coaster with this scene, dude. Like, I was scared waiting for the chop. I was laughing my ass <laughs> off at his slow realization that it happened. I was grossed out when he has to rip off the last oh. little bit. It's attached by. Oh, whose job then- is it
1: to make a half-attached finger for cl- for the close-up? <laughs> That's that was amazing.
0: Yeah, it looks great, and it's so gross and. Like, you have all these things, you're going through this, and then you get, like, a minute of him just bloody sobbing on the couch. And it, like, Oof. it really made me sad. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and Vince just looks, like,
1: happy about the whole thing. Like, that, it really comes through how much he's enjoying Craig's suffering.
0: Yeah. The dog that Vince kidnapped, offering to kill, is still wandering around the house, and he dies trying to eat <laughs> Craig's finger. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, and so the next dare is uh, Colin cooks up the dog, and they have to eat it. With whomever finishes first, getting fifty thousand dollars. And. Violet is positively giddy. <laughs> like, if you look at Sarah Paxton during this scene, like she, like I said, really just doing an incredible physical performance. I mean, this seems way less intense than cutting off a finger.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, there's a lot of like Koreans eat dog jokes around. I mean, I'm very comfortable with eating dogs. Like, fifty thousand yeah. dollars, no brainer,
0: no, no problem. Right? Yeah. It, it's it's gross because of the way it's presented. Like, he just gives them like a pile of meat with like still a little bit of like the foot like furry on yeah, it. Yeah, it's not but, great. Right. But at the end of the day, it's not really any different than eating anything else. And so if you're okay with eating like a pig, which is uh, ostensibly more intelligent than a dog, I mean, uh, for $50,000, you bet your ass on eating that <laughs> dog. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you were you were nearly ready to chop off your finger for half that
1: much. So I feel like <laughs> eating a dog is a no-brainer here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And they, uh, they both scarf down this dog and they deem it a tie. And they say that the money will go to whoever eats Craig's finger. That's another step. That is unbelievable.
1: (laughs) I mean, like eating the finger, if you're Craig. Raw, too. I know. I mean, if you're Craig, you're like, well, I guess it's my own finger, which in some way is better, I think, than someone else's finger. But
0: no good. (laughs) That's how you get Kuru, guys. You get that brain disorder that your brain eats itself. Oh, God. (laughs) Don't eat people. Don't do it. And, uh, you know, Craig does manage to win despite immediately puking it up, which I also thought was very funny. <laughs> and he's like, it still counts, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad but, it counts. Yeah. Oh my God. If it didn't count, I did think that they were going to be like, no, someone has to eat this puked up. Well, finger. <laughs> tiebreaker too. Like something else horrific. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he does win and Vince j- is just enraged and he just starts beating the crap out of Craig. I thought it was really funny and uh, interesting that Vince, in this process, loses his hat, revealing a similarly balding hairline. <laughs> I didn't realize. I didn't notice that, actually. That's, that's interesting. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's very funny and uh, and sort of shows, I think, it's another layer of that, like, not everything is as it appears on the surface mm-hmm. with Vince. That there's more going on underneath in terms of his uh, his front being just that. Than maybe we see right away, but he's he's sick of it, and I mean you just see them getting pitted against each other, keeping them distracted, thinking that they're the enemies instead of like at any point they could have just got the drop again yeah. <laughs> on these two, and just like he had a knife, like he gave them this butcher's knife, and they could have gotten the whole amount of money without dehumanizing themselves, without mutilating themselves, without embarrassing themselves in this way that. You know will leave an indelible psychic mark on them
1: yeah yeah they really could have but at this point in the movie i'm not even thinking about that i'm just i i'm just like horrified by what's happening with all the eating we get another scene where violet kind of creepily looks after craig but you're right i mean all during the sequence there's no reason why vince and craig can't team up again
0: yeah it's you know one revolution failed and they just say we're writing them all off (laughs) But after being taken outside to calm down by Colin, Vince uh, gets suggested that he should kill Craig for the whole pot of250,000 dollars. Reusing the money. I mean, this is this is smart, smart on on the part of Colin
1: and Violet, right? You know, you have all these yeah. bets
0: where you think you're earning
1: incremental money, but it doesn't matter. It's actually
0: really all comes down to the last challenge. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, and Vince considers this offer. He pulls out his knife, he walks up to the back of Craig who's, you know, gathering his money, and he sees this photo of the two of them, and he can't do it. Nice guy, Vince. And you're like, damn, Vince, good for you. Lines he can't (laughs) cross. Yeah, but, you know, Craig, who's been, uh, who, who... thinks that he's better this whole time. It's been mentioned multiple times. Like you said, he literally yells at him saying that like, he needs this money. He deserves it. He was just going to waste with drugs. It. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so it's easy to see why being talked to like that by someone you consider a friend could definitely piss you off. But I think that it does kind of suggest a certain level of quality to Vince that he is unwilling to do this. Meanwhile, Craig who has been saying that he's the good one shoots him the fuck up. Ugh. It's
1: so it's such a, it, like it, it's one of those twists at the end where like when it happens it's obvious but before it happens it's shocking. I uh, I think that there's just it like that's the only way it can end. Really, but when it happens yeah. I was just like oh my god, did he just what's going on?
0: <laughs> yeah, and Vince on his way down hits his face on the corner Ugh. of the table and it is just Grotesque. Between this movie and Lost Highway, <laughs> I am never having another cornered table in my place again. <laughs> Ottomans only. Yeah, baby, <laughs> the exactly. whole house
1: except for yourself.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Colin. Well, so first of all, would you kill someone for two hundred and fifty thousand oh, no. dollars? If-
1: <laughs> I mean, I know he's done all this horrible stuff to me, but like this, like I feel like this is getting at some idea of like. <sighs> like what it means to be a good man or something like the hair thing is really interesting to me because it really like directly gets at that masculinity idea right like providing Mm -hmm. for your family versus having the strength to punch somebody and physically overpower them and i just think like yeah vince like kind of has his own code and not killing people for money i think he he might may have been in that position in the past is what i suspect from his debt collecting business so yeah i think that this is a guy who has either done it or considered doing it in the past um and has just decided that it's not worth it and i'm gonna follow his lead on that one <laughs> <laughs> Two hundred fifty thousand is a crazy amount of money but yeah no, it is far. it
0: is and i think you're right it's funny too because like boy they really make it as easy as possible for one of them to say yes because they're like we'll take care of cleaning it up no one will ever know it, it is tempting but you're right there's a certain level where it's like well i can't Cross this, like, this is my fellow man, you know. Uh, we're in this together, solidarity, brother. <laughs> I'm up like <laughs> a couple of thousand on the night, or whatever. Well, actually, Craig's yeah, up quite exactly. a lot, but Vince yeah, is up a couple of thousand on the night, yeah. Right at this point, he could have just been like, All right, let's keep doing the bets and then like throw it to just let Vince get a little money too. Like, why does he need this whole amount? I, I think that kind of this greediness that infects craig is definitely not an accident yes and the the colin calls craig a taxi and he's a good host yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) and craig leaves with his winnings in hand and after craig leaves colin pays violet because it turns out that this was a bet between the two of them on which one of the two boys would kill the other and colin bet on vince and violet chose craig and the amount of money that they bet on somebody's life was fifty dollars, and it makes all that nursing
1: seem so much more pointed. Mm-hmm. Just like, got to keep you healthy,
0: got to murder Vince. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, God, that the idea that somebody's life to them is worth two uh, is worth fifty dollars, like. I think it really just speaks to their lack of humanity at that point.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And the film ends with Craig arriving home who and like comforting his child when the lights turn on and his wife appears staring at Craig covered in blood and the money strewn all over the room. Blood money. I think yeah, it's really, I think, a very poignant final shot. She is not happy to see him. Like, she is not. No. <laughs> I mean, she is no. horrified by what she sees. Right. I mean, she has no idea what's been happening all night. He was like, give me 45 minutes several hours ago. And this is after he had already been out until 2 a.m. and had lied about where he was going and what he was doing and not telling her about being fired, which she found out about from his coworker. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. A bad situation for his wife, and the kid is sobbing, like, terrified of of the dad covered in blood, and, and it's really, I think, that kind of this lack of recognition of what Craig has become because of this experience, because of this newfound money that he has, really, it's very uh very pointed it's very interesting mm. i think that it does a really good job of kind of communicating the thesis statement of the movie how do you feel about this ending yeah i mean i think like there, you know not there's no
1: subtlety here baby's crying blood on all the money um he's covered with blood i, I think that it, it really hammers home super hard um what the movie's about and then the the title over there over the final shot which i think of as like a michael haneke move but yeah, just mm-hmm. I think it's just very, very clear that this guy has done some horrible, horrible things. And cheap thrills is an interesting kind of way to kind of way to end it because it, I don't know whether they're referring to Colin or they're referring to Craig or. Yeah, I mean, there, there's kind of a lot of ways to take that title at the end of the film.
0: Absolutely, and you know we've now reached the point where we're going to sum up why this is the best <laughs> horror movie ever made. So, you know, definitely make sure that you get all your thoughts in. I know that, like, it's interesting because to me, this movie, like, it kind of belies the depth to it in terms of, like, the title and the surface-level aesthetic of, like, oh, they're eating a dog and chewing on their own fingers. (laughs) so So, I'm really curious. I I definitely want to give you your platform here. Tell the people why this is the best horror movie ever made.
1: I I think that,
0: you know, the the reason I picked this film is because
1: what I love about horror is that, like, if you really dig deep into something that is scary, like, scary enough at least, you get to something quite meaningful. Like, I I wonder whether they came up with this structure that kind of escalates and thought it would be a fun idea for movie and then just kept working on it and iterating and working on it until it became something that had kind of a surprising amount of depth but you don't have to pay attention to any of this depth like it's quite a fun roller coaster you know whether you're thinking about class or masculinity at all so I, you know I, I guess the reason i would tell people to watch this is because it opens up a world of these kind of low budget really well thought out really well conceptually like situated movies and it's at minimum an extremely fun time
0: Yeah, I think that you've you've really kind of summed it up perfectly. It is a really fun time. It has a lot of the gross-out stuff of what made Saw popular, but in a more restrained way. It has a lot of great comedy to it, and like you said, if that is not enough for you, it also has this really intense exploration of kind of the inhumanity of capitalism and, you know, people degrading themselves just to keep shelter, a human right, over their head. And... You know the movie. It's it is much more than a cheap thrill to me. It's straightforward, but that lets the movie convey this message. It has great gross out moments. I don't know what's not to love about it. You know it it remains plausible the whole time through this fantastical situation where somebody is just you know throwing money at these guys. (laughs) You know it's 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 it works great as an allegory and as a great story. And so to me. That makes this the best horror movie ever made. This was so much fun, dude. I want to thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Why don't you, uh, if you don't have anything, any projects or anything that you want to plug, at least uh, shout something out that you've been enjoying lately.
1: Yeah, look, I have no no internet presence. You know, things I've been enjoying lately. Uh, if you want something extremely heavy to watch during this pandemic, uh, The Leftovers is a... Fun heavy time to imagine a world where one percent of the population might be gone.
0: Yeah, uh, that is a uh, really—it's an interesting time to be watching that. So definitely, uh, pretty dour. Is that what you've been up to? Yeah,
1: we started it before the pandemic started, and we're like, well, oh man, (laughs) got to finish it now. I guess we're gonna think about grief real hard.
0: Yeah, well, it is a great show, and people should definitely check it out. Just definitely uh, know what you're getting into. Uh, as far as my plugs, you can find me on Twitter at You can find the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at LittleHorrorPHL. There's merch. Uh, give us a review. Subscribe if you're not already subscribed for some reason. All the usual jazz. You know what the deal is at this point, guys. Come on. Do those things. And that's it for me. Uh, thanks again for coming on, dude. This was a lot of fun. Thanks, man. That was awesome. Bye. Bye.